0: Stumbled upon something that uh, you just had to have. I mean, it's it. I've got to have it. I got to do whatever it takes to get it. that's what I want. One of the shows we, or maybe it's just I, like to watch sometimes is Storage Wars. You ever seen Storage Wars? You know, the whole premise of the show is they have the auctions of storage buildings that don't get their rent paid on. So they have an auction, and so the people go in there and bid on these storage lockers, these buildings to try to make a profit most of the time. They're there to find what they can find and they try to get it for as cheap as they can get it in order to make a good profit. One of my favorites on the show was Barry. He is the... uh, I didn't even think about that this morning. Yeah, one of my favorites is Barry. He's called the collector because... Well, the dude's crazy. That kind of fits too. I'm just saying. Um, He, you know... He's just, the guy is crazy. He is kind of a little bit wealthy at times. That might not be anymore. But, uh, but he isn't out to make money as much as our other buyers. He's not there to make as much money. Everybody else goes in there and they're like, okay, I have this price. And I'm not going over this price. Because I saw something that I could make money on. But I know how much money I can make off of it. So I'm not going to, to, to bid too much. But he goes in there looking for things that have a unique factor. So, even when, when he finds something that's made him a lot of money, he usually doesn't sell it. He keeps it and adds it to his collection. And my favorite thing about Barry is his bidding. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, it's just a locker that everyone else will stop at $300 on. He'll take every bit of the money he has in his pocket and spend on it because he's seen something in it that he wants. I mean, you know, everybody else is looking at him going, This is a $300 locker, and he's been $2,500 to buy this locker because there's something that he's seen that he wants. Because when he finds treasure, he just has to have it. As we continue in our series on parables this week, we come across a parable or a set of parables that reminds me a lot of Barry. In Matthew 13, Jesus has been telling parable after parable. He's been telling all these stories and teaching all these lessons, describing different aspects of of the kingdom, And when he comes to verse 44, there's no stopping. He doesn't stop to give a backstory. He, he doesn't give a break. He, he doesn't do anything. He just simply begins talking there in Matthew uh, chapter 13. And in the midst of talking about the kingdom, he just tells the following parable in Matthew 13, verse 44. And it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in the field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Pray with me this morning. Father God, we come to you right now. We, We thank you. We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best way. The words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the treasure that you've given us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people. said. Amen. When I first came to this text, I uh, I was a little stumped. I felt like, how in the world will I find enough to say to make a sermon? I mean, what are you laughing at? Yes, <laughs> I got to talk a lot. There's one point that I began to live with this text. I mean, because there's this one point, and we all know what the point is. We read it, we go, oh, okay, go buy the stuff some amazing things began to shine out at me as I read the text and lived with the text. And the first one is this. Treasure is sometimes hidden in unlikely places. In this parable, both treasures, the the treasure that he finds buried in the ground and a fine pearl, both of these are in unexpected places. You know, one guy finds treasure in the field. Back in Jesus' day, there weren't any banks. Um, Not as we think of banks. There wasn't an FDIC insurance. There wasn't any interest to be had there. For many people, that meant burying or hiding your money to keep it safe. Sometimes it was on your land. Sometimes it might be on someone else's land. We don't know how the buried treasure gets here, but we do know that it's buried. It finds unexpected. I, I kind of imagine a guy kind of walking along and he trips over something. And he turns around and he, and he starts digging a little bit and he finds this box of of or gold or whatever the treasure happened to be. He finds it there, and it's totally unexpected. In his excitement, he goes, okay, I'm going to bury it again and, and go buy this field. The pearl isn't as unexpected as the buried treasure because the guy's looking for pearls. But the way the pearls come from, or the very fact of where they come from, is kind of unexpected. Can you imagine the first guy who found a pearl in an oyster? You know, probably looking for something to eat. I don't know why I would eat oysters, but looking for something to eat, he opens it up and there's this little round ball in there. I mean, that's kind of unexpected. It's not something that you would expect to find. Both of these situations have something of great worth found somewhere you might not expect to find it. This is a huge concept in the kingdom of God. The kingdom treasure and treasures in the kingdom are always unexpected. That They're found in, in different ways than we would normally think to find them. I call it kingdom economics. Kingdom economics turns everything else on its head. Kingdom economics says, I will give everything I have out of my gratitude. Kingdom economics says that the way I handle money is different from the way the world handles money. The same thing with kingdom relationships relationships in the kingdom are different because in the world we're told I better get you before you get me. If you hurt me, I better hurt you worse before you hurt me again to make sure that, that I have the one up. But kingdom relationship says forgive and you will be forgiven. Kingdom relationship says you've heard it said to you know go after your enemy but I'll tell you to pray for those who persecute you. Kingdom relationships say if someone takes your cloak, give them your your cape also. If someone asks you to go one mile, go two. Kingdom relationships are different. Kingdom power is not what someone might expect. And the treasure of the kingdom is about to come in an unexpected way. No one that Jesus is talking to here expects what's going to happen next. They're thinking Jesus is here to do one thing. He is going to free me from the wrongs. He is going to lead a rebellion and we are going to be free and we're going to have our land back and everything's going to be good. But Jesus knows that the treasure is fixing to come on a cross. He knows that he's fixing to give everything up and he's fixing to go and he's fixing to be where he doesn't want to be. The treasures of the kingdom will be found in unexpected places. Maybe it's a chance encounter ran into somebody that you never expected to run into and it became a complete blessing in your life? People that you never should have met are people that you have a relationship with that stick forever. You know, it's amazing that there are relationships that we have that we don't talk for years, but the minute you get back together, it's like you never left. Treasure in the kingdom comes in different ways. Maybe it's an unexpected blessing. Maybe you just didn't expect something. You didn't expect it to happen, but it happened. And there's a treasure there. Maybe it's that new friendship. But one of the other things we see here in this passage is that the treasure of the kingdom is of equal value to you, regardless of your station in life. It's of equal value. Nobody in the kingdom getting kingdom treasure gets any more than anyone else. It's not that it's different. You know, in sometimes in life, your class and society dictates what's important. Jeff Bezos, do we know who Jeff Bezos is? He's the guy who owns Amazon, basically. Uh, if he loses $10,000, it probably doesn't mean much to him since he's worth $198.4 billion dollars of this morning. And that's after giving away 25% in his divorce. <laughs> it doesn't mean much to him. If one of us was to lose $10,000, it'd probably at least sting a little or a lot. The job or prize that someone might go for who lives in life may not be the same job or prize if you live in a penthouse in New York City. In this parable, there are two different people from two different classes of life. The Greek in the passage would lead you to believe that, that the guy in the field is just any old Tom, Dick, or Harry, or, or Peter, Paul, or Matthew. <laughs> He's an everyday Average Joe just trying to get by. And he finds the treasure. The other guy's a merchant. Now, he may not be exactly rich, but he's certainly in a different economic and social level than the first man who is just simply trying to get by. Yet they both have the same reaction to the treasure they have found. The value of the kingdom is the same for all who find it. It's the same for the pretty good guy, and it's the same for the chief of sinners. The kingdom of God is a great equalizer. It does the same thing for each person. When you find the treasure of the kingdom, it brings you into a relationship with Jesus because that's the treasure. It's the great equalizer. In the end, no one gains any more or any less from the kingdom. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're male or female, if you're Greek, Jew, Roman, British, Iranian, or American, the value of the kingdom is the same in your life. The value of the kingdom is the same. In terms of the kingdom, the beggar on the street is the same as the queen of England. The kingdom's value is not different depending on your station in life because the kingdom of heaven is the most valuable thing in the world. We finally here get to this main point. This is the main point. What's the last thing you found that you were willing to risk? Everything. Everything. To take that risk. This story, this parable, is about risk. It's not a cut and dry story. This is the value that's placed there. It's the worth that I have said it is. There was risk involved. What if somebody else came and took the treasure while the man was selling his stuff to Babylon people? There was risk involved. He wasn't, he wasn't just saying, I mean, you know, I'm thinking I would, it would have been smarter for me just to take the treasure with me and hide it somewhere. Or take the treasure and go buy the field and come back and say, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, but he he takes the risk to make sure it's done properly. And he puts this risk out there. There was risk involved. Both of these men were willing to give up everything for what they viewed as the most valuable thing in their lives. Is the kingdom of heaven and a relationship with Jesus that valuable to you? What are you willing to give up to have the kingdom of heaven? That is the main point of this parable. What would you forgo? What would you give up? Would you give up sin? Would you give up money? Or food? Or family? Or alcohol? Or pornography? Or caffeine? Or coffee? Or soda? Or candy? church what would you give up for the kingdom of heaven so often we we hold on to things because they're precious to us so often we don't want to let things go well God you can have my entire life but you can't have my kids I love them too much to just say okay God, you can have everything, but but you can't have this one compartment that I'm keeping because this is a compartment that I've had forever. We had a catastrophe happen in our house yesterday. We went to Goodwill. That, that wasn't the catastrophe. No. <laughs> Micah misunderstood Goodwill. And so she went and packed up a bunch of boxes and bags and stuff. And we took it to Goodwill, and we dropped it off. And I pulled across the Brookshire's parking lot and went in Brookshire's to get something. And when I came back out, there was an incident going on in the car. Because Micah hadn't just given away her stuff, she'd given away Shiloh's stuff. All the while thinking... That goodwill meant you gave them something and they gave you something in exchange. So as she was giving away stuffed animals, she expected to get more. But Shiloh has a moose, or had a moose. (laughs) (laughs) We went back and looked and we couldn't find it. He had a moose that he had bought in Colorado. And it was a treasure to him, or so I thought, but there's a whole other backstory. But he was upset because he couldn't believe was gone. The funny thing is, it wasn't important to him until it was gone. He didn't realize until it was gone that it was that important, because he had actually sold it to sister one time. (laughs) For money,
1: yes.
0: (laughs) And now he realizes it's gone, and now it's important. It was something that he wanted to hold on to these men sold everything they had to gain the thing they sought, and somewhere along the way, I believe we may have cheapened the kingdom of God. So often we, we explain salvation like this. All you have to do is believe and ask Him into your life. When we say it like that, I think we might mislead you. Because, yes, all we have to do is believe and ask Him into our lives, but we're asking Him to be the Lord of our lives. We're asking Him to be our boss, our king, our master, our ruler. No more is our life our own. Jesus isn't asking for one day or one decision or even one week, He's asking for everything. He's asking for total control. He wants us to say, okay, Jesus, nothing is more important to me than the relationship with you, than this saving relationship. He wants us to give up everything to have a part in the kingdom. I don't want anyone to ever think that I lied to them. God wants us to follow him, not to tell him where we need to go. So often we we, we pray and we say, you know, this would be a really great idea. God, would you please bless it? But that's backwards. I I have a talent for planning surprises for my wife, but I don't plan surprises blindly. I listen. I hear the things that she likes and the things that she wants, and so. I make sure the things that we are doing are things that she has said that she wants. Too often we go to God and instead of saying, okay, Jesus, let me hear what you want me to do and where you want me to go and how you want me to handle this. We simply say, Jesus, I really want to go and do this thing. And I'm going to pray real hard that you bless it until you do. But it doesn't work like that because Jesus has a plan. And he wants us to go somewhere. He's the Lord of our life. We ask him. We listen to him. We have a relationship with him where we hear the things that he's wanting from us and we go in those directions. Are you giving everything you have to Jesus? Your marriage, your children, your job, your money, your life? I mean, is it is it really Jesus? You, or are you playing? We play sometimes. We say, hey, Jesus, I'll give everything to you. And then we walk out the door and we go, that was Sunday morning, Jesus. I really meant it when I said it. This is, this is an epidemic in churches, right? I really meant it when I made that decision. I really meant that I'm going to do that, but I, I, I've got I've to do something else. Uh, this has come up. The two men in this parable weren't played. They sold everything they had to get their thing of value, everything. Why does it seem so hard to get everything? Maybe you think that's a lot of risk. I'll follow, but man, that's hard. Sometimes life makes it difficult to do just that. What if it isn't worth it, we ask? But that's the point. It's always worth it to give up everything to follow God. There's any doubt. There's, there's no, will this actually happen? The value of the kingdom is directly related to its cost. Jesus paid it all. He gave everything. That's where the value of the kingdom comes from the value of the kingdom isn't, isn't, doesn't come from heaven. We sell it that way, don't we? If you just say this prayer and come to the you'll go to heaven. But that's not the value of the kingdom. That may be a reward. It may be somewhere we get to go. It may be where we spend eternity. But the value of the kingdom is the sacrifice of Jesus. The value of the kingdom is guaranteed by the payment. You know, when you, when you try to, to take some vacations, you have to put a credit card down. Or you had to put a deposit down. Why? Because they want to make sure that you're going to show up. Jesus made the down payment. He paid the price. It's already been done. That's where the value of the kingdom comes from. The value of the kingdom is directly tied to its eternal state. When you give everything to follow God, you're gaining something that can never go away. It's the eternal kingdom of God. Here's the deal. These two men, they were getting something here in this world. It was a buried treasure. It was a pearl. At some point, those passed away. But the kingdom of heaven is something that never passes away. It's the most valuable thing in the world. It's more precious than silver. It's more costly than gold. If anything in the world can ever truly be defined as priceless, the kingdom of heaven is that thing. It's so valuable that we should stop at nothing to be a part of that kingdom. We should be willing to do whatever needed to have the kingdom of heaven in our lives. The question this morning is, what is the kingdom of heaven worth to you? Occasionally we fall into a trap of a season of survival. One season, we found ourselves watching it every week. You ever watch Survivor? And there was an auction for something here. And in every auction, you know, there's some kind of advantage at some point. And there were two people who saved all their money the entire game, to bid on this one advantage. And they saved all of it. They could have eaten chocolate cake or fried chicken or pizza or anything else that they were offering. But they wanted this advantage. But because there were two of them, and they both had the same amount of money, they had to draw rocks. And whoever got the right rock would get the advantage. They believed so much on this chance, they were willing to spend everything on simply the chance To have an advantage. Are you willing to give everything you have for a sure thing? Because there is no mistaking that the kingdom of heaven is always eternal. There's no mistaking that although it looks different than this world, it's so much more beneficial for us to live as Jesus has called us to live. Maybe this morning you have been struggling with seeing the world through kingdom economic eyes. I mean, the stock market does this all the time. But the kingdom economics, they're always steady, they're always there. It never loses
1: value.
0: <clears throat> Now's the time to say, okay, Jesus, I will do what you want me to do. I will be where you want me to be and I will not hold anything back. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe, maybe you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken that step to say, I want to make you Lord of my life. It's not hard to take the step. It's not hard to come forward. But sometimes it's hard to live out. It's a daily choice to say, yes, Jesus, I, I submit to you. If you want to know Jesus this morning, come down the outside of Brother Troy. I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever your need, give it to him this morning. let pray? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your blessings.